Eight years ago, a transporter mishap created an exact duplicate. I am Will Riker. Now, twin officers coexist. Which of them is real? Both. But hidden passions could turn them into bitter enemies. There's no place for you in my away team. And jealousy threatens to endanger a critical mission. Playing it safe. Why don't we wait and see who comes out on top? Let's go! Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Carnegie, and with me getting duplicated in a transporter accident is Bill Waywad. Or is it Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm I want to share my middle name. Um, it'll be a surprise for after I get duplicated. Um, welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing our second installment of our imposter series, Second Chances from Season 6 of Star Trek The Next Generation. And as always, you can follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please help us get new listeners for the podcast by telling your friends to listen in and making sure that you give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast service. Spoiler alert, we're going to be spoil spoiling this uh, 30-year-old episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and we might um, also reference other episodes in the Star Trek canon. <clears throat> You know, it's funny, this episode is almost 30, exactly 30 years old. Um, as Bill just mentioned, we're going to be talking about the episode Second Chances. It's the 24th episode of the sixth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it first aired on the 24th of May 1993. The teleplay was by Rene Echevarria. The story was by Michael Medlock. And it was directed by LeVar Burton, who really? only had like a couple of short appearances in this episode. And now it makes sense why. Hmm. So here's the, here's the episode summary from uh, Memory Alpha. The Enterprise finds a second Will Riker on a planet he helped evacuate eight years ago. Short and to the point. Here we go. We always uh, start with our strange new takes. Bill, do you have a strange new take for me? I do. Um, I, I just really love Ethiopian coffee. Um, sometimes I buy coffee that's not Ethiopian, and I always regret it. Uh, <laughs> what are so, the distinguishing characteristics of Ethiopian coffee? Well, you know, coffee is from Ethiopia, I think, <laughs> like the plant. And it's quite different. Like the the beans are really small and hard, and usually it comes as a light roast. And anyway, the, um, uh, as a coffee, it presents as being very kind of light and fruity, and uh, you get just a lot more flavors coming through um, than you would with like a different kind of coffee, which tend to have a, a darker roast. So it's, mm. yeah, it's just excellent. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good recommend. call. Yeah. Um, for this episode, uh, I guess, you know, having seen, having no, knowing what happens to Thomas Riker later on, I'm just really kind of bummed that later on they make him into a bad guy because I thought this episode actually dealt um, pretty deftly with some real emotional stuff and both getting, you know, into, into the psyches of, of uh, both Commander Riker and Lieutenant Riker, um, I thought was pretty well done. Um, so it, 
it's kind of unfortunate and you can really empathize with Thomas Riker. So it's, I think it's kind of unfortunate that later on he, he becomes a bad guy. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I watched the episode Defiant from DS9. Like, I, is he like truly bad or is he one of those like redeemable Maquis types who like is principled, you know? Yeah, it's a good point. I don't think he's like, uh, you know, I don't know, like Ducat bad, but they do make him into like the... Uh, he, I think in the, in the narrative structure, he's positioned as the adversary, I think, okay. uh, you know, as, as opposed to our heroes who are the good guys. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, my strange new take this week is going to be, should I say something coffee related? I'll say something coffee related. I think maybe I've even used this on the pod before, but like, I am very much a give me target basic brand coffee kind of guy. Like, I just can't tell the difference between like the super high end coffees and like, a, you know, I can't, I mean, I can tell the difference between like a Folgers and like an Archer Farms target brand coffee, but like any better than that. And I, I'm not going to tell the difference as long as it's not like super acidic and it's just kind of a mellow dark roast. Or, or I should say the mellow. It's like a, a smooth dark roast. I'm a happy camper. I will try your Ethiopian coffee recommendation next time. Because I always wonder, like, I see the the Java and Colombia and all these countries. And I'm like, which one do I like? I have no idea. Maybe it's Ethiopian. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's not that coffee that those monkeys poop out. Though, I'll say that. I have not <laughs> had that coffee. Don't plan to. And yeah. Uh, with this episode, man, it's kind of funny to me that they didn't get to this like evil twin brother. Actually, no, of course they did. They had data and lore. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it's funny that they didn't get the evil twin brother until now, it's season six. But yes, they did. Uh, uh, I I do wonder though, maybe the second strange you take, if they did enough to show how rare this sort of thing is otherwise it, it's kind of like a you know this is like an easy get out of jail card for like it's like the movie the prestige where the guy learns how to duplicate himself mm. like this would basically be that right like you could it's the key to immortality basically in some ways in star trek yeah you mean the fact that you can basically make a copy of yourself using the replicator or the transporter exactly exactly yeah. 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 It's 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 kind of the big plot hole in transporter technology if you really think about it, right? Like because yeah. if yeah, you're yeah. converting yourself to a digital signal, you should just be able to like duplicate that digital signal. Right. And they, I mean they're yeah, you're right. It's the transporter is hugely results in tons of plot holes, right? And I guess in you know, it's really inconsistent canonically, but for writers it's probably kind of like a nice magic box that they can use for anything. But yeah, I mean, any time, you know, there are other instances, I think, where they like reconstruct people out of the like pattern buffer or whatever, or that, you know, they seem to be able to do that. So anytime somebody dies, why don't you just like go back to their last transporter log and just rematerialize them? This is why nobody in Star Trek is upset when those red shirts die. They're just like, ah, it's okay. We got <laughs> the copy from right copy. before. The yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and also, you know, they, they don't, it's super underutilized as a weapon. You know, the trans, you could just like beam out another ship's like warp core, you know. Or <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, let's start talking about this episode. First thing we see Riker in his cash, spectacular casual purple shirt. <laughs> <laughs> the shiny shirt. Of course, playing the trombone. <laughs> How cool. What right. a cool guy. 
Yeah, amazing. Like, and and he gets saved out of doing this like solo that he hates by Data calling him to the bridge. I just thought it was funny that he didn't even change. He just went straight to the bridge in his like civilian wear, and nobody like batted an eye. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was it's, uh, it's really corny '90s um, clothing. It, you know, yeah. it's I. It's funny, you know, the costumes, I think the outfits that they had in TNG, they were uh, going for something that looked really futuristic. And maybe at the time they thought that it would always just look futuristic, but actually by taking that approach, it looks even more dated. Like, you know, it just looks so 90s. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, we wear like slightly baggy stuff. What if it was baggier and longer in the in the future? Because right. yeah. current trends will continue <laughs> even further. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we very quickly realized the story is that the USS Potemkin had showed up to this planet and tried to rescue some people from a... Uh, atmospheric incident that would have prevented them from leaving the planet. Riker was the last dude out. And they're coming back because there's going to be some sort of abatement in the in the distortion field, which allows them to go down to the station and get these, like, really important data logs, which, like, throughout the episode, Picard's like, I want this data, man. It's so important. Like, Riker's like, man, people will die getting this stuff. And Picard's like, no, we must get this data. So do they ever explain what the data is? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's think important. So. It's important data. Whatever. Yeah, it is. it's yeah. all you need to know. It's on a need-to-know basis. This is very important data. Turns out, Section Thirty-One knew about Will Riker, and they wanted the cloning technology. That was the important <laughs> data. But anyway, like that's the. I mean, I think that's the biggest maybe plot hole in this entire episode. Is like, what? Why is this data so important that they came back after eight years, and then they go back down and midway through the episode. Uh, to get it yeah yeah but, i don't know and it's yeah worth apparently like risking people's lives f- yeah. foreshadowing the next to final scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah exactly and so our away team goes down there and quickly finds a haggard dude in like an old timey tng uniform which is great i really like that they put him into like the season one uniforms like they yeah. it's like a canon acknowledgement which we've seen before the old uniforms did exist yeah uh which is kind of neat yeah yeah and it's jonathan frakes oh, who by the way thomas Riker maintained exactly the same shape as will Riker. like despite the fact being marooned on the station for eight years without working replicators dude is like looking just as good as if you like pulled him off a fully staffed galaxy class starship. Yeah. And he has the same haircut as Will Riker. But I have to give the costuming people um, props because actually his beard is subtly different. So I thought I was writing in my notes like, oh, even his beard is like trimmed exactly the same way. But then I realized it's not. Yeah. Uh, so, so Thomas Riker has, well, it's, uh, Commander Riker's beard is just more trimmed. Yeah. And and Thomas Riker has more, it's, I don't know how to describe this verbally, like more hair between his soul patch and the rest of his It's goatee. a little bit more like haggard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more filled in, yeah. 
but the haircut is the same. The yeah, yeah, same yeah, barber. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we figure out that Thomas Riker looks like the most lasting effect of this guy being on this station for eight years by himself. Isn't like some sort of aversion to people or kind of mental disorders or anything. It's just basically that he doesn't show up to things on time anymore. <laughs> take orders. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like everything else is a, okay. They didn't find any like, volleyballs with a stake through them and like a handprint face or anything right. like that down there like nope no like local creature used as a pet or some other weird disturbing thing like just just he doesn't take orders anymore and this is like i mean this is the worst possible thing right on the starship yeah <laughs> but, yeah but otherwise he seems you know uh to be doing pretty okay um also uh, is still head over heels in love with Counselor Troy. And doesn't really, like, stop to ask her if he should, like, you know, make out with her and stuff. Like, she shows up in his presence and he just, like, latches himself onto her. Yeah, yeah. A little awkward. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, apparently, like, he just thought about her a whole lot over the last eight years. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really make sense to me. So, you know, so they find Thomas Riker, they beam him back up to the ship. He realizes that Will Riker, that they're the same person, right? That he has a duplicate. And, um, but before he realizes that, I think it's, I think it's before he, yeah, uh, sees Counselor Troy and makes out with her. And, um, it, 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 it uh, so subsequent to that, they realized that uh, Commander Riker and Counselor Troy, their relationship ended, right? Okay, so there's a bunch of drama about that. Uh, my point is that regardless of what happened, even, even if there was no copy of mm -hmm. Commander Riker, presumably Counselor Troy would have moved on in the intervening eight years. Like she could have another partner, you know, <laughs> but that, you know, I never crosses. He's just assuming that she's single, kind of waiting, waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, it's like Janeway coming back from, right. <laughs> you know, the Voyager being like, hey, Mark, how's it going, smooch? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, no, I think that was like a little bit of a, like a little hand wavy, like, let's just get on with it rather yeah. than have difficult scenes situation. Yeah. By the way, this, this whole Deanna thing is why this episode exists. So when it was pitched as kind of like Riker having a transporter clone people didn't like it but then Retina Echevarria was like ooh this gives us a chance to like rekindle the Riker Deanna romance and that's why they brought it in huh. also there was initially an idea that they would kill the actual Riker and keep Thomas Riker as the on on the series as a regular and they dropped that idea because basically like they would they would have like the this character wouldn't have history with the other characters so it was very difficult to write for him yeah yeah um hmm. um and then they do that with harry kim later yeah exactly um yeah <laughs> hmm. interesting i feel I, like so, they, yeah go ahead i was just gonna say you know i thought the um romantic stuff with counselor troy was pretty effective um i, I enjoyed it um yeah yeah i i will say though i didn't think like i think jonathan frakes is a really great actor 
And so I just think that they could have done a little bit of a better job making a difference between the two Rikers. Because mm-hmm. I feel I felt like Thomas Riker was just a little bit like more slightly more impulsive, maybe. And Will Riker was like grumpier. Like that was the big difference between the two in this episode. But like I didn't get the sense that like these are two fundamentally different people, which after eight years of yourself on the station, you really should be, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Um, I also thought um, I thought Frakes. I thought the acting was very good, um, but it was either the editing, or maybe Lavar Burton's uh, directing. Sorry to say, but it, the um, sometimes the dialogue between them t- uh, felt a little stilted. Yeah, uh, to me, and it's I mean it's hard to do right. I mean they're splicing together these two scenes which are filmed independently but I, I thought it could have been done a little bit better you know i will say though the eye tracking in this episode was really good typically mm. when they do this thing where you got two characters two be the same actor playing the double role yeah uh you you know you can tell that they're not filming the scene together because one of them is looking like way off in the distance or at a different wrong height yeah. or whatever and in this i was i was looking for that in this episode and it seemed a little bit more like well done hmm Hmm. Um, so, so I'll say like that, that did work, but I didn't understand why Will Riker just hates Thomas Riker so much from the second he sees him. He just like decides he dislikes him. And then from there on out, the whole episode is basically like Thomas Riker butting heads with Will Riker scene after scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they have some beef. I mean, they... Data and Worf kind of allude to it later on. Um, and, you know, Worf suggests that it's maybe because you see something you don't like about yourself in, the, in your copy. Maybe that's what's going on here. Um, but yeah, they butt heads, they fight over Counselor Troy. Um, and I don't, I, I kind of think they could have been a little bit nicer to um, Thomas Riker. Yeah, he, I mean, he did have, I mean, the guy, again, has been gone eight years, and yeah. he did have good ideas. It's not like he was, like, completely out there. Yeah, yeah. And they should have given him the same promotion, right? Don't they say that Will Riker gets promoted for his heroism on whatever that planet is called? Exactly. So, like, they, I mean, they, he is the same person at that point in time, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, they should both yeah. get the promotion, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. Thomas Riker should be like a lieutenant commander and be given like some sort of ship assignment. So, yeah, no, 100%. But, yeah, I mean, essentially what we learn from there is first, Thomas Riker like is surprised that Will Riker is still only a first officer and didn't accept his own ship. Um, And it's kind of interesting because... The reason that Deanna, that Will left Deanna is because he was ambitious, but then his ambition torn down, whereas it's kind of inverted for Thomas Riker, where he's like, oh, I won't leave you, Deanna. We'll make it work this time. I'm not Will. But then his ambition is still there, so that's why he leaves to go serve on the Gandhi rather than stay with Deanna. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. I, that whole thing is, I I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's kind of expected, right? That at some point 
you know, so, you know, as this episode is being filmed, the idea is that Thomas Riker has just been rescued. And so he's kind of, it's just the initial few days or week or something after his rescue. So he's kind of just checking up on him to make sure he's okay physically. And um, he's taking a, uh, getting some rest, right? And then they have to wrap up this mission on the planet and get the really valuable data. But anyway, after that, he has to do something, right? Like what, <laughs> whether he yeah. stays in Starfleet, I mean, he can't just like hang out on the Enterprise forever. I mean, maybe he could, maybe he could get married to Counselor Troy and, and just be like a stay-at-home dad. There's no economy. There's no, like, money. He doesn't ever do anything. Yeah. <laughs> he can do whatever uh, he wants. But it's it's his innate kind of... It, he's basically like Will Riker, who's still a young man, right? Like, who hasn't achieved... Like, Will achieved success. And I, I guess that's the key difference between Will and Thomas Riker. So Thomas Riker hasn't achieved success. Will has decided what's enough for him. Yeah. But Thomas wants more out of life, and which kind of explains why he also becomes a Maquis later. Yeah. So anyway, but the whole Deanna thing, it's kind of cute. Um, the treasure hunt that Thomas Riker creates for Deanna, and apparently that was like a Brandon Braga used to do that in his relationships. Uh -oh. So... That's why it's on the screen. Uh, uh, and then when when he goes to do Tai Chi, Klingon Tai Chi with Counselor Troy. Okay, so first, I just have to acknowledge uh, Riker's awesome stretches at the beginning. Um, pretty cool. Got some pretty cool moves. Yeah, he's just uh, like, feet wide apart, bend out as low as I can. Let's see, yeah. let's see what this body can do. <laughs> And then, you know, he kind of, they break the fourth wall and point out that Worf's, like, Klingon stretches are just Tai Chi. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's exactly like Tai Chi. Weird. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then they make out. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and Beverly, the ultimate wingman, is just right. like, peace, I'm out. See ya. Have fun. <laughs> um, what, what you, so, so, first of all, Thomas and goes over Will's head to go talk to the captain, which leads to even more tension. And then Thomas plays cards with Will Riker, where it's, you know, the typical scene where, like, two people who really shouldn't be hanging out together decide, like, let's hang out together. And then it goes badly. Who could have known? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the, you know, so the stuff with Picard, I think, you know, that it's just crescendoing right it's getting more and more intense until the final scene right where we kind of get some resolution um or the next to final scene um the card scene i thought was great i thought it was great acting i thought it was suspenseful um and emotionally resonant um so i liked that a lot and thought it was a lot of fun i i really enjoyed the fact that we didn't actually find out who which cards they had like, I, I didn't see, maybe I missed it, but I didn't see, like, which one of them would have actually won if they'd stuck it out. Yeah. But it seemed right. like Thomas was bluffing the whole time, so that's why he folded at the end. Yeah. But, and then you have Will kind of saying, don't ever go over my head, but then saying, okay, if the captain's ordered it, because this data is really important, dude. It's, like, super <laughs> important data. We can't leave it behind. Uh, and so that he basically is like, okay, all right, let's go down and do it your way. And it ends up with a situation where 
the, the I, I, okay, so I didn't really understand that whole radiation thing when they were in the cave. Did you get that? Like what that was supposed to convey to us? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I That does seem weird, or I don't know what the point of that was. I mean, when they go down in that cave initially, you know, things are heightened. There's a lot of tension between them. And I kind of got the vibe like, oh, or it, this, this would be a very good opportunity for one of them to kill the other. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or you could even imagine like Thomas Riker killing Will Riker and like taking his place or something. That would be the um, trope, right? I mean, that literally yeah. happens in data lore. Yeah, right, right. Um, so that's kind of where your mind is going and it's it's this creepy cave. Um, so, but yeah, the thing with the ion radiation, it, I mean, aside from just another, to create another source of tension, right, between the two of them and Commander Riker is like, oh, you quitter, you didn't even try to solve the problem and it was so easy to figure out. <clears throat> Which is crazy because Will's, that's why I didn't get it because Will was the guy who didn't want to go into this like precarious situation and then he's right. like, oh, look at this, I'm actually way braver than you will ever be. And <laughs> it's kind of strange, but then of course... Thomas is hanging off the catwalk and Will has to pull him up. He doesn't let him go. So that would have been the opportunity for Will to be like, right. yeah, goodbye. Uh, and and he doesn't let it happen. And I was thinking like this would be like their like moment of coming back together. And like after this, they'll be friends and, you know, things will go well. But no, uh, they are still enemies in the last scene together where, where he comes to give him the trombone. Like... Like, it was like, uh, here, take this, asshole, rather than, uh, you know, oh, we have now become friends, and here you go, like, I'm giving this to you as a token of my appreciation or whatever. But I, I, I did uh, perceive um, a little bit of a turning point there. I mean, they weren't super, like, friendly, um, but I thought it was a little bit more, I thought the, ten the tension was released to some extent. <clears throat> Okay. I thought okay. it was more good faith interaction. That was my that was my experience. Yeah. It has to be really weird for Will Riker though to see himself with his ex girlfriend. <laughs> like, I know, right? That is so strange. I don't think like I bet some like identical twins maybe have to deal with that every now and then, but like I don't know if like uh, that's that's just so weird. Yeah, very strange. But, of course, Thomas Riker does choose the Gandhi over Deanna. And Deanna's like, well, I saw this coming. And and then he's gone. Yeah. I guess the only thing we haven't discussed is this kind of Worf-Data conversation that happens towards the end. You touched on it briefly, where Worf and Data are like, why don't people get along? And then Worf has that, like, I think, I forget exactly what he says, but he had, like, a, a quote about how... He feels like, yeah, I am not easy to get along with. So that's why he wouldn't want to right. get, talk to his like own clone. But it's, it's, I guess it's the only major conversation outside of like Deanna and Beverly that happens without like Riker present. Yeah, right. So I guess this, this, this whole episode wasn't as big on the ensemble. It was very much a Riker focused piece. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, it's the Riker show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, any other pieces on this episode, Bill, that you wanted to share before we go into ratings? I don't think so. 
The, yeah. the only other question I have is, I guess, do you think they use Thomas Riker enough? We see him again in one DS9 episode, but that's about it. Like, do you think there should have been more? Yeah. I So they do um, kind of leave the door open with Counselor Troy. Like, he's like, well, I guess this is goodbye. And she's like, no, it's not goodbye yet. Or I, I'm not getting it exactly right, but, you know, she kind of suggests, so oh, maybe we'll meet again or, you know, go, go to Risa together or something. Um, and I guess the writers never wanted to pick up on that thread later on. Um, so yeah, I would say underutilized. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there was, there was definitely some opportunities for like, you know, the heroic death, uh, you could have done yeah. it in a movie or like ne brought him back in nemesis for some crazy stuff. I don't know. There was, there was some shenanigans that could have taken place. Um, someday maybe we will cover defined and we can, we can talk about whether we think he got what a good enough uh, second act. Yeah. But for now, Bill, do you have a rating? Do you have a strange new rating for second chances? Yeah, uh, I'll give this one a seven. Yeah, I thought it was solid. Um, good emotional stuff, good acting. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's like just about hits the threshold where you're like, okay, if I want to know what happened to Thomas Riker, it's not painful to go back and watch this episode. It's, it's kind yeah. of... It does its job. It's okay. Yeah. It was, I'll say this, it was better than I expected mm. watching it. I, 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 yeah. You could was, easily do this plot very poorly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. no, I agree with you. All right, well, Bill, thanks for joining me to talk about uh, Second Chances. This is our last Imposters series episode. Next week, it's going to be Strange New Worlds, which I'm very excited for. That should be a really Strange fun New Worlds. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so good, man. Those trailers look amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll come back for that. Um, and uh, Emily, Adam, and Rudy, wherever y'all are, whatever it is y'all are doing, I hope it's a great time. Um, thank you, Justin Gua, for recording our theme music. Thank you, dear listener, for making time for us in your week. And uh, special thanks this week to Dr. Mae Jemison, the first African-American uh, woman in space who was in this episode as a background crew member named Palmer. So uh, special thanks to her for showing up in Star Trek as a canon character. All right, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye.